Time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. Welcome to another information-packed hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. In studio with the usual suspects, my friend and executive producer, Jack DeLeon, and our effervescent social media diva, Sasha Little. Here. As promised, I plan to share with you some of the best of vehicles recently introduced at the major auto shows by the domestic manufacturers across our fruited plain during the last few months. And again, like I promised, I will get to that in a few minutes, but first. If you're a first-time listener, it's easy to join the conversation. Text or call the Roadworthy Drive line at 872-222-9793, and that's anytime. If you'd rather email, and we allow email, email's a good thing, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.com. Feel free to share your comments, ideas, or suggestions. I would love to hear from you. Now, it occurred to me during the past week while waiting through my inbox that there's too much information that I'm not sharing with you, my listener. More often than not, it's a tidbit of information that's worthy of sharing, but not always enough for discussion. So starting with this hour, I'm making a change. I'm introducing what I call From the Parts Bin. This is a new segment. It's going to replace uh, Breaking News. And it's a segment within a segment that will allow us to share more with you than we have been, along with the flexibility to discuss if the subject warrants. So here we go. Uh, From the Parts Bin. Uh, I'm going to start with this. Trump fuel economy target set for March release. That's according to the NHTSA acting chief, and that's a piece in Automotive News. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration will propose new fuel economy standards for cars and light trucks by the end of March. Now, this is for the period 2022 through 2025. And the reason why that's important is back in 2011, 90% of the automakers selling vehicles in the United States agreed with the EPA and NHTSA to a trio of coordinated rules uh, that was oversigned by EPA, NHTSA, and the California Air Resources Board that get more stringent every year, ending at a fleet average of more than 50 miles of the gallon by 2025. And I believe the number was 54.5 in actuality. I think that's what we've talked about. Uh-huh. Now, the challenge is that for the most part, the 2022... Up till 2021 is pretty much set, although this piece in Automotive News says that the current CAFE standards for model 2021 may also change. The challenge with that is automakers are long. They need a long lead time in order to do what they got to do with suppliers and engines, transmissions, validations, uh, development, materials. All of this takes time. And it's not like they can literally, if you'll pardon the pun, turn a dime. Okay. So we'll see about that. Well, and my question is, are you getting the impression that they are going to make that standard lower than 54 and a half? Absolutely. Why? Because the automakers for some time had been asking the administration, look at standards. And I was wondering how long before the pushback. Look at what gas prices are. They're artificial. Well, they're low. And with the popularity of trucks and SUVs and crossovers, 
uh, it would be in the automaker's best interest to let the good times roll and not have to invest all that money to meet the more stringent standards. Although, even at 2021, even if they change the standards in 2021, you still have more stringent standards between now and then than you do today. What are the requirements for 2021? That I do not know. But obviously, if they're getting more stringent, they should be in the 30-mile, 35-mile-gallon range. Now, when you're talking 30 to 35, are we talking city mile, highway mile, combined? That would probably be a fleet combination. Okay. So here's something else for you reported. Now, we talked about this here before, that General Motors, and we talked about it last week, had made a safety petition before the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to allow an autonomous car on the nation's highways and byways. That's no manual controls at all, no steering wheel, no shift lever, no brakes, no gas pedal, nothing. Okay. Now, according to the Transportation Secretary Elaine Show, she said, and I quote, this request is now reality. The technology is there. The question is, how do we regulate it? How do we continue to promote innovation but also safeguard safety. Okay, now we're back. Now we're to the point where we've talked about before where the quagmire really is, and that is technology is way ahead of legislation. Which it's always been. Okay, but again, they're going to have to set the rules first before they allow it, correct? To some degree. Here's the challenge. The challenge is that NHTSA and the Department of Transportation can only go so far. We talked about NHTSA's document back in September of 2016 where they outlined where their limits of authority were at, and some of that was going to require Congress to actually give them more authority in certain areas, and they outlined it in detail. You mean Congress is finally going to have to, I don't know, do their job? I'm not touching that. Oh, come on. No, not going to. No, no, no. Not gonna, Sasha, do you want to touch that one? I don't want a piece of that. I, I am just not. I'm not going to. <laughs> I, will, I will say this. Uh, related articles, NHTSA anticipates revised safety standards for cars without steering wheels. They are actually asking for public comment. Um, and let me read this. Has re- NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, has requested the public to assist in identifying any regulatory barriers with the federal motor vehicle safety standards and the testing and certification of motor vehicles with automated driving systems or, their words, unconventional interior designs. That means no manual controls. That's government for no okay. manual controls. They are looking for public comment to rulemaking. The comments are due by March 5th. By the same token, the Federal Highway Administration is also seeking comments for adapting roadway infrastructure for automated vehicles. And we've talked about vehicle to infrastructure or V to I or in the case V to X, which is vehicle to anything. Yep. They are also, their words, they want uh, input from the public to help identify roadway infrastructure, which will need to be modified or enhanced to eliminate barriers to motor vehicles with automated driving systems. Examples include greater uniformity in lane marking, signage, and other traffic control devices. Um, Conversely, installation of digital infrastructure and data may better enable ADS vehicles to exchange information with roadside infrastructure. They're looking for comments from the public March 5th. Well, but again, right now, as I understand it, you're going to be able to have an automated car 
drive itself without talking to anything else? Mm, no. Okay, explain, please. Right now, what they first need to encompass is resolving some of the legalities of having a fully autonomous vehicle not in test mode on our nation's highways and byways. We've talked here first that the U.S. Department of Transportation, it's been upheld by the Supreme Court, and by proxy, their agency, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, has jurisdiction over all 50 states in creating policy. Okay. We also covered here on this show, uh, back again in 2016, NHTSA's limitations in what they could do under law, under their charter right now. It requires some interactivity from Congress to give them added capabilities to fulfill their, their assignment. Okay. So it's going to take some time. We do need the regulation. We need, we need safety regulation. We need administrative regulation. And I'm hoping that we have a robust conversation about it. Well, we need to have that conversation. But also, as I said before, a couple minutes ago, Congress is going to have to start doing their job here because if they don't, this is just going to, if I'm assuming what I'm hearing correctly, it's going to delay the entire process. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now, like admission controls back 50 years ago, the automakers don't want to and can't deal with a patchwork of state regulations, which are this, that, the other. It would be prohibitive cost-wise. And yes, it, it could be a safety issue. Oh, yeah. Bingo. So the two things we need to worry about is safety, uh, implementation, and then the third thing I said two, but it's actually three, is cybersecurity, which is very important. Yeah, and to let the folks at home know, Ken was on one of our affiliates this past week where they asked the question, would you get, in, would you get into a car that was self-driving? Mm -hmm. And how did that conversation end up, Ken? Not well. <laughs> Most people said no, and they were very emphatic about it. Yeah. Um, later in the show, I've got my own concerns. Uh, looking at the concept vehicles and other things, I think I had a jack moment. Really? I had a jack moment. No, you can't switch that. sides now. I had a jack moment. I got thoroughly. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I had a jack <laughs> moment. So, uh, yeah, you're going to okay, want to stay tuned for that. Print the T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to want to stay tuned for that. Next up, domestics introduced at the car show so far. You are riding with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. Want more than your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. I love that commercial. <laughs> I love that yeah. jingle. This is the second segment of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Thanks for dropping by. 
Uh, for those of you all that may not have ever heard of Studebaker, it was an American car company considered one of the small five. There was a big three and small five. Studebaker went the way of the dodo bird in 1964, South Bend's mm. finest. Oh, well. Which was kind of sad because they were, they were kind of looking like a little futuristic car. Yeah. They were. I, I would love to get my you hands know, on now, a lark. Now, I want to have you settle an argument between my dad and I. Okay. He said to me that the Ford Edsel was 30 years ahead of his time in design. Mm, design is subjective. Okay. What killed the Etzel is the factory didn't really dedicate the what way they, they needed have. to. Yeah. So quality was the problem. Aha. Uh -huh. Car died because the quality was sporadic. They were wedging those in in the factory between Mercury's and Ford's, and they weren't really dedicating the way they needed to be. Because that thing had quite a range. They had two doors and four doors and wagons. And I want to say they had nine trim levels. Wow. Yeah. I did. mean, really? Yeah. You could even own an Etzel Ranger. What? Yes. It was a trim level. What? It was a trim level. I... Okay. The thing, the things you find out. Indeed. Because not too far from where the studio sits, Ford used to have a plant. A Model T plant. That is now <sighs> basically owned by the Des Moines Public Schools. Yes, it is. And that building now, actually last year, celebrated its 100th anniversary. Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. I have pictures of me sitting in the back of a Model T. Oh, my. My uncle had one. I'm not wow. even going to go there. <laughs> well, folks, as you can tell, uh, you're tuned to Roadworthy Drive, and we're talking cars. Uh, what we're talking about particularly in this segment is about the vehicles that have been recently introduced to the nation's major car shows over the last few months. That would be vehicles introduced in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Detroit. During this hour, we're focused on the vehicles introduced by the traditional domestic automakers. And in case you're still wondering if you're still keeping score, that is Ford Motor Company, General Motors, and yeah, we're still counting Fiat Chrysler as a domestic, but we're counting them, at least the Chrysler part. During our next program, we will turn the spotlight onto foreign automakers, and I have to say... It's remarkable to see the bets they made on what to produce that they think would sell. Here's my question. Okay. Are cars really dead or are they just playing possum? Honestly, I don't know. Because right now you look at what's trending and it's all crossovers, SUVs, and pickups. Yeah. Mm. But then again, gas is also at relatively cheap. Relatively cheap. Mm. Well, let's talk about a couple of vehicles that we've actually talked about here before at Roadworthy Drive that was actually introduced in Los, Los Angeles. Okay. I'm going to bring them back up. Uh, the Corvette ZR1. Now, we talked about the convertible, but did you really also know they were introducing the coupe? I did not. No, that And I didn't it had know. been a number of years since uh, they had last been out. Let me put it to you this way start, the ZR1, the Corvette ZR1. Starts with um, a 6.2 liter V8 mm. supercharged V8. Mm -hmm. Okay, the question. thing that let me, I'm going to get this out. This thing makes some ungodly uh, torque and horsepower. Uh, in fact, let's see, what did they say? Oh, yeah. 755 horsepower, 700 foot, 715 foot pounds of torque. And in fact, this thing is so fast, you have a couple of packages, what they call a low-wing package for downforce in the back or a high-wing package. 
The high wing package provides an estimated 950 pounds of downforce to keep the car down connected to the earth. Again, we're asking Jack's favorite question. What, what could, could possibly, possibly go, go wrong? wrong? Yes. Uh, but again, can is this is this Chevy's um, halo car? No, no. L uh, one engine. Uh, it is their LT five. Okay. Engine. Mm. Of the top speed of this thing, mm-hmm. you ready for it? I am oh so ready. Hold on. Oh, I know where he's going. <laughs> he just can't let it go, can you? No, I can't. Go ahead. Uh-huh, he can't. <laughs> Saved by the bell. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 210 miles an hour. Mm. Uh, put a pin in that number because you're going to hear it again. Are we? Yeah. Uh, when I tell you about the electric, two electrics that beat that. The two electric cars that were revealed this year. That we'll talk about later. We'll beat that. Wow. We'll beat that horsepower. No, we'll beat that speed. Wow. I need one. No. No. No, Come I don't think please? so. Please? No. Uh, that low, that stand, now the low wing, we, t- we talked about high wing, low wing. Right. The low wing delivers the highest top speed, and it's standard. And then we talked about the two-way adjustable high wing, which offers maximum downforce for the quickest lap times. In fact, it gives you 60% more downforce than the Z06, which is the Corvette performance vehicle, mm-hmm. with the available Z07 performance package. It's Yeah, all models feature a Chevrolet first, a downforce-enhancing front underwing. We're getting into wind management now. We're getting into NASCAR now. Pretty, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And these will be out next spring, and if you've got over $120,000, you too. Can own one. Jack? Okay, you're talking about 2019. Yes, sir. Not not spring in 40-some days. 2019. Okay. You can own one. So, Jack, I'm going to put in my reservation now uh, no. for that personal loan? No. Uh. Let me. Well, for those of you that don't have that kind of money, Ford is also introducing an Edge ST. This is a performance model of the Edge. It provides superior handling, braking, ST tuned sports suspension. If you're a Ford follower, may I say, and you would understand this, you remember the Focus ST that was made in Germany a couple of years back. Yep, I remember. Yeah, same performance kind of thing. So you got a sports suspension, sport mode, a new quick shifting eight speed automatic, standard all wheel drive, and a 2.7 liter uh, dual turbo, they call it an EcoBoost, twin turbocharged EcoBoost engine. For the Edge, Delivers 335 horsepower and 380 foot-pounds of torque. Edge ain't that big. That thing would be flying, just to give you an idea. I'd be scared to take—I mean, that it just looks like nothing yeah. on the road. Let me, I'm going to word this. Uh, the vice pre, Ford's vice president of product development and purchasing said, and I quote, The Edge ST puts a new animal on the road, a performance SUV with a track mentality. And they go on to say a new sport mode allows the Edge ST drivers to experience more aggressive throttle response and shifting patterns that hold gear, gears near redline through cornering maneuvers, sharper engine braking, and a more resonant exhaust tone. Because, of course, if you don't sound good, how can you look good, right? Well, you, well, you need the cherry bomb, the darn thing. Well, there you go. <laughs> you get new front and rear styling, a wide mesh grille for optimal cooling, deep side skirts, and wait for it. Dual exhaust outlets. Uh, that is just, the Edge ST. It's funny to me, and I cannot be the only one that thought mm. that you went from... Next up, the domestic automakers boast utility in their latest offerings. This is Roadworthy Drive.
Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the third segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. If you haven't checked out our awesome, new, and exciting website yet, why not? We have recently redesigned the place top to bottom, and in the words of Sasha, it looks amazing. But it looks amazing. Thank you, Sasha. We have made it easier to navigate in order for you to find the stuff that you want quickly. From our behind-the-scenes videos to audios of past show, it's all here and more. It's also a great place to discover where we are in the world of social media. Sasha is also our social media diva, and she keeps things interesting and lively, sharing her favorite finds in the world of automotive tech between shows. See how she keeps the social in our social media. Now, for this segment, our attention turns to trucks. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Really? Yes. yes. Detroit has been struggling to keep up with the imagination and demand. As America slakes its thirst for all things truck and SUV, Mm -hmm. generous financing by the captive automotive finance companies, coupled with low gasoline prices, have allowed the good times to keep rolling. Yes. For now. In 4x4 action. For now. Now, we'll talk about this. I don't like that sense of foreboding. Yeah, Yeah, I don't either. Awesome. (laughs) Let me drop this on you because you knew this was bound to happen. (sighs) Two words you never thought you'd hear. Well, three words you never hear, thought you'd hear. Ford F-150 diesel. No, I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. But here it is. I am just not even concerned about anything Ford. 3.0 liter V6 power stroke bolted to a 10-speed automatic. Wow. Yep. It will cost you 2400 to four grand more than a comparable gasoline engine. Really? Uh, yeah, diesels usually do. Well, well, I mean, right, right now in the Super Duty, right? There is a eight, eighty-six or eighty-seven hundred dollar upcharge for the diesel. Now, see, that's when he read that number. I thought it would actually be more. No, should be less because it's not nearly as heavy duty. Based on the number of trucks Ford sold last year, they think the take rate's going to be about five percent. Hmm. That's roughly 44,000 trucks. Well, that's almost 45,000 trucks they wow. expect to sell. Wow. Based on 2017 volume. Here's the weird part. Bear in mind, Ford in 2015 went, back, went to aluminum, right? Right. Right. Okay. Now, this aluminum truck with a 10-speed automatic and a diesel mm-hmm. is only going to get 30. Dodge had already did – I'm sorry, Ram had already did that with their six yep. – with their – Three liters, six V6 diesel. Yep. And they didn't go to aluminum. And they were at 29. Yep. I'll let that settle. And uh, they didn't need a 10-speed automatic to do it, by the way. No, they did not. They did it with an 8-speed. That's Ford. Um, we talked about this. We'll talk about it again. The Ranger is back. <sighs> They're building it in Michigan. Okay, we talked about that before. Yep. A year ahead of its arrival, they're teasing it now. It's going to be built in America, and they and this is back since they killed it in 2011. In 2011, it was built 
in Minneapolis. Yeah. I did not know that. The Twin Cities plant, which they tore down. Plant doesn't exist anymore. They tore it down shortly after they closed it. Wow. And weird part, it was in a residential section, a nice residential section of town between Minneapolis and St. Paul. Really? I've I've got pictures of one of the remaining signs where that plant was. Wow. Very nice. Because ironically, I was up there in 2014 at a Toyota event. Ah. And happened happened to go down a road and found the plant I've been looking for for years. Mm -hmm. And it just closed. Oh, okay. They were just in the process of tearing it down. And the other thing, too, is I've seen the pictures of the new Ranger. Mm-hmm. I like it. And I got to say, I like it. I, I'm not a Ford girl, but I, I actually like it. Well, let me continue. They give, you, they give you an idea of the midsize truck market. Right. Last year, GM sold 145,000 Colorado and Canyon trucks. Yeah. yeah. Toyota, oh, yeah. who's the market leader with the Tacoma, 198,000 Tacomas mm-hmm. last year. And here's, here's the thing that I would like to know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To me, that mid-sized pickup truck is going to really appeal to women. Yeah. Actually, could appeal to not just women, but folks who didn't want the full-size pickup truck but want the capability. It's going to appeal to a lot more than that because <laughs> a lot of people don't need, don't want the full-size pickup truck but want the utility. And that's what's driving it, actually. Well, and, well, and to me, like I said, I've always been a big truck guy. Yeah. See, and that's me. And it's kind of funny that you say that because when you go to the Dodge Ram, back when there was the Dodge Ram and the Dodge Dakota, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the running joke where I'm from is that, you know, the Dodge Ram was for the Mr. and the Dodge Dakota was for the Mrs. Yeah, not so much anymore. Let me throw this at you. Lincoln is coming out with a replacement for the MKX. They call it Nautilus. Brand spanking <sighs> new. They're going to get back into the pickup market. No. No. This is an SUV. Oh. The MKX is the same, used to be the same chassis that the Explorer was riding on. Right. I'm sorry, the Edge, not the Explorer. I got confused. Uh, They replaced it with this. Okay. So they're they're going upscale. Lincoln's whole thing is not just the vehicle, but the entire experience. So they've got concierge services to go with it. Yeah. To go with this, that's their big thing is uh, luxury is service as luxury in addition to the vehicle itself. So they're going basically to the Cadillac model. Actually, they're trying to go to the Lexus model. They're just going all the way in. Okay. Uh, try this one on for size. Ultra comfort front seats, 22-way power adjustability. 22 ways to adjust the front seat. Yes, sir. I just, yeah. Yes, sir. A- absolutely. And if you've seen a picture of it, it really it doesn't flow right. Like the front end just looks I don't like know. A- I, I kind of like the way it looks. We'll see when we see them in in person, chances are I'll see them in Chicago. Probably. I'll have pictures. <laughs> and by the way, when are you going to Chicago? I am going in Chicago uh, first week of February, media days, as usual. My okay. 21st to 22nd year of actually right. attending it. Have not missed in all those years. McCormick South forever. Yep. And I'll be there. So um, next thing. Two word. Well, 2018 Jeep Wrangler. Brand new Wrangler. Okay. Uh, the Wrangler and the Ram 1500 are all new for 2019. These are the ones that they got to get right. I'm sorry. Wrangler's 2018. Ram's 2019. Just okay. so we keep that right. Um, in, industry pundits said Fiat Chrysler had to get both these right because this is what prints money for them. Well, and they're right. And bear in mind, and we mentioned this uh, last segment, about how the Ram being built in Sterling Heights – uh, which used to build the Chrysler 200, 
and that Warren Truck will now build a heavy-duty version of the Ram. Mm-hmm. So they spent a lot of money to get this one right. And people are just uh, just going crazy over it. But here's a couple of things you need to know. They're using a lot of aluminum. And shock, there's going to be a diesel engine. In the Ram? In No. Well, of course, in the Ram, but in the Wrangler. Yeah. That's what I was, I was like. Well, there's already a diesel. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. Things to know. The Wrangler is rated for 30 inches of water fording and a 3,500-pound towing capacity. Mm. Yeah. And they're going to use a new, uh, the 3-liter eco-diesel V6 and a 2-liter turbocharged inline four-cylinder join the Wrangler lineup. So they got that. We come back, we're going to still be talking trucks. And if we have time, a couple of our American exotics right here. And some closing thoughts. Roadworthy Drive is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Go to roadworthydrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. This is the fourth and final segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Before we continue a programming note, next time we will cover the foreign automakers, what they introduced during these same three auto shows. You're not going to want to miss this. The irony is that while Detroit seems to have doubled down with full-size pickups and SUVs, the foreign automakers have chosen several different paths to win the hearts and pocketbooks of the American motorist. In fact, they still like cars. Yep. Be sure to tune in for that. Now, we're still talking about trucks, and uh, we left off. We were talking about the 2018 all-new Jeep Wrangler. Now, we didn't talk about the, the pickup that's coming. We don't have information on that. I don't believe they showed that to show. Uh, we started to talk a little bit about the 2019 uh, Dodge Ram. Looks I'm like sorry, a Chevy. I keep calling it Dodge like- Ram. It's Ram because I don't want to get any you know, hate emails. No, it's Chevy. Stop it. It's a Remy. No, nah, stop it. It Remy. looks like a Chevy. Revy. Revy. That's no, what we'll call it. No, it's a Revy. No, no, Let it be. The 2019 no, Revy. No, 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 no. 1500. Let, let it be. Let it be. There are some, obviously, there's some haters in the crowd. <laughs> okay, stop. We are not haters. We have strong opinions. Yes. Haters. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. When they outsell everything, they won't. You, will, you will find. The Crevy will not. Will you stop it? Stop. Revy. Okay. It's going to be a thing. Uh, Jeep Cherokee. New, got refresh, got freshened, new front, daytime running lights, headlights, cool stuff. Uh, new operating software to improve performance, mated to a nine-speed automatic, which it always been. So, little thing there. Uh, also, new for the Cherokee this year, um, optional hands-free automatic opening feature activated with a foot wave beneath the bumper, where have you heard that before? Uh, that would have been the Ford. Now Chevy's got it. Now, now, and it would have been it. it would have been the Ford Escape. Yep, got it first. Yep. Uh, there's a word for that. Supplier. You get one supplier that has this technology, and you see different automakers roll out with it over a few model years together. Yep. So not surprising, but yeah. Now the thing is with this new Cherokee. 
uh, engine stop-start technology to optimize fuel economy and minimize greenhouse gas emissions. They estimate that 30% of a vehicle's uh, uh, time is spent at idle. So that's why you're seeing a lot of these start-stop things going on. See, and that's always freaked me out. I don't, I don't like it. They've got some, some makes have actually gotten smoother with it. And in some vehicles, you can override it. But I got a feeling the day is coming where that's not going to be oh, possible. Oh, by the way, can we talk about the 80s Cadillac that had the four V6, V864. Let's not. Yeah, because that my, caught fire. My, <laughs> yeah. my, my brother had one of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Not pretty. It not wasn't pretty. pretty. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. All right. 2019 Chevy Silverado. First new half ton Chevy Silverado in 10 years. Six no, wait a engine. Minute. Hold on. Hold yes. Hold on. What did they do in. In 14 and 15. It was a freshening. This is brand new. Chassis, everything. Oh, really? Wow. From the ground up. No, I did not it know that. Is, it is there. 450 pounds lighter. Oh. And here's, here's something you should think about. Now, remember, I told you a while back that Chevy eventually was going to have to come to grips. They were all laughing at Ford. Oh, Ford aluminum uh, cargo bed. Oh. I said, don't laugh too hard, Chevy. You're going to have to do the same thing. Here's what Chevy did. They took the they took roof, the truck body roof for uh, your doors, uh, your trunk lid, tailgate, aluminum. Yep. Uh, cargo bed box, high strength steel. steel, and they widened it. It's a wider cargo bed. And how much wider is it? I want to say three inches, but it's wider for more functionality. I'm getting hate. I'm getting hate <laughs> looks over here. I will say this. Six different engines. Do you eight have a picture of that, by the way? Yeah, uh, it's on our Facebook. Yes, it is. Well, I don't have access to Facebook in front of me. Six oh. different engines, eight different trim levels. Now, here's the thing. What differentiates, you got to be ready for this, what differentiates those eight trim levels? Chrome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Chevy's boiled it down to three different types of buyers. High value, high volume. High feature. A little bit of something for everybody. And see, and I would be more of the feature guy. Mm-hmm. May I add that Chevy is also introducing a Duramax diesel to their half ton. That's not, again, that's not surprising. Uh, do you see a trend here? Yeah. Everything. That, that even, even though diesels had gotten a bad name, even though Ram had a problem with their Italian-built diesel. It didn't stop Ford. It didn't stop Chevy from going that direction to get better fuel economy because they're not going to get it all in weight alone. The Ford half ton was lightened by 700 pounds. The Dodge was about 290. I'm sorry. The Ram was about 295. The Chevy's 450, lighter. Tell me something. Does that look like my 17 Ford sitting outside? No. Mm. Just, no. There's, there's, a, there's little a little bit. bit. There's a little bit there. A little I, bit. I, I'm waiting for Ken to actually come back with some pictures of that because that particular picture that they put out there, yeah. it blends too much with the with the background. It does. And you're not able to see, like, the actual angles. Um, I will also add Chevy's putting out a work truck as well, a regular cab. And unlike unlike Ram, who doesn't have a regular cab anymore. Well, but Chevy yeah, well, does. Yes, they do. In their chassis, they do. They mm. in their chassis right now. I can go to the local. But you won't for twenty. Yeah, but you're talking heavy duty. I'm talking. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking half ton. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. They don't have any. That's right. And I'm I don't going. even think they have what I would call a super cab either. They do. They have a quad cab and a crew cab. Really? Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's change gears with a little bit of time I've got left. We talked about both of these companies. Both of these companies have a couple of things in common. Uh, we've heard us talk about the Area FXE, that's A-R-I-A, and the Genovation GXE. They're both based on Corvettes, and they're both electric. Okay, this is going to get back to where we pinned before about mm-hmm. the horsepower the and the speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Area FXE, they did a lot of custom work for other automakers and mm. prototype work. They're... They are using a 6.2-liter supercharged V8 engine based on the GM LT4 engine used in the Corvette Z06, plus two axial flux induction electric motors in the front with a 10-kilowatt-hour battery pack. The output, 1,150 horsepower. What? Uh, Top speed, um, bear in mind, remember I said put a pin in it? Top speed, 220 miles an hour. It's 10 miles an hour faster than the new ZR1 Corvette. Wow. Uh, it's crazy. With Genovation, again, electric and trying to go sustainable. Their speed, 220 miles an hour. Again, this is all electric. Well, that comes to the end of the tour. Be sure to tune in next time. We'll be talking about the foreign automakers, what they brought to the shows. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive team, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.